Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard to today's special Sunday special here on Human Events. And we've got a great episode for you because there's so much going on in this world, but in particular, two spots, China and Brazil. We've been watching the white paper protests in China, and I've been covering it in depth. But there's concurrently and simultaneously another people's uprising going on in the Southern Hemisphere. So we're not just talking about the Eastern Hemisphere, but also the Southern Hemisphere, and that is in Brazil. And so since I've been covering down on China, I've not been able to cover Brazil as much as I would like to. So in cases like this, it's always good to have a friend. And that is why I wanted to bring on today to break down so we can really go through for the Sunday special, both of these uprisings in full detail. My friend, Matt Tierman, Polish-American investigative journalist. Matt, thank you so much for being here with us on Human Events. Thanks, Jack. Love, love the intro. Awesome. I know, right? I'm, I'm, I give you the best intros in the business. That's 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 all yeah. I get you to come we, back. We go way back. We go way back. We've, we've that was fighting. at my wedding. You were at you were at, at the your wedding. wedding. The that was great. It was yeah. a good Polish American wedding. You Some great the Polish hussars there. Yep. So so break it down for me. Now I was just out in Mexico City. I did CPAC Mexico City. I I spent a few moments with Eduardo Bolsonaro, uh, Eduardo Verastegui. Talked to a lot of people down there. And I even spoke to some Brazilian journalists and I said, you guys got to tell me because I see these videos online. I see people in the streets, but I don't have the background. I don't have that strategic depth of knowledge like I do with China. Walk me through what is the situation as it currently stands in Brazil? Sure. So it is uh, really dynamic down there. Massive protests and the media, the global mainstream media is not covering it. Tucker's done a couple segments that I've been on with him. It's been the only one in sort of with a global reach media platform that has uh, covered it at all. But this is potentially the largest demonstrations, the largest uh, manifestations of people on the ground in a democratic country, maybe ever. I mean, we're not talking thousands, tens of thousands, or even hundreds of thousands. We're talking millions. And when all said and done, it may even be tens of millions. Brazil is the sixth largest country. It is the second largest in our hemisphere after the U.S. It's the third largest economy by GDP after U.S. and Canada in this hemisphere. And it's a systemically important country for many, many reasons beyond even the virtue of its size, incredibly resource rich uh, and a bulwark, uh, at least in the modern era, against this encroaching Latin American communism that has swept much of that continent, uh, starting with Venezuela. Obviously, Cuba was the bastion where the Soviets had their foothold in building their whole Workers of the World Unite global movement. Uh, and then Venezuela, they had a big victory in 2000 with Chavez, which then uh, Maduro took over after Chavez's death. Uh, and that's been now accelerating in Latin America. Colombia just went to the left under Petro, Chile under Boric. Uh, and, and by the way, we should we should throw down for for this is the part that I can point out that the CCP's fingerprints are all over, all over, all over this. Where do you think they're getting the money to fuel this uh, pro leftist, pro communist, open to the Chinese Communist Party? Yep. This is what this is how they institute one belt, one road. This is exactly. how they get into our hemisphere. They want the naval bases. They want the ports. They want everything inside our own hemisphere. So the CCP is behind a lot of 100 percent. 
And we, you got to go even back a little bit. Uh, Lula was president uh, 10 years ago. He was uh, in 2012. He was pushed out because of a public corruption scandal. And even Obama in 2012, when it all came out, said that Lula was uh, was absolutely corrupt. And his uh, his vice president, chief of staff, took over Dilma Rousseff. She was then convicted uh, a few years later for the same ensnared uh, public corruption scandal. Uh, people remember Operation Car Wash. And this was all related to China. Uh, this uh, this workers party. PT, this is Lula's party, uh, they were selling Brazilian natural resource assets to China for cash and bags, and they were laundering the money in a chain of car washes, hence the moniker Operation Car Wash. So you had Lula, Dilma, and Dilma got impeached and convicted and was out of office. And then Temer served out the last two years of her term from 16 to 18, which is when Bolsonaro was elected in reaction, very much in reaction to exactly that corruption. And that was very much connected to China. And China is like we talk about in the 20th and, and century. By the way, by the way, so so Lula, right, who who was backed by the leftists um the the supreme court's coming down which is totally leftist in brazil um the election is, he, he, barely, he just got ahead of of bolsonaro in the election that's what this whole thing is about they're you know they're pointing out so many issues with it when i was in mexico city right um when i was down there i'm i'm sitting here doing my normal human events daily show right we're doing it on remote and then all of a sudden i hear this cheering this screaming from outside the hotel and i go and look and I look down and it's it's a group of Antifa and leftists, about 50 yeah. of them. And they've got and Matt, it, ain't, it ain't like in the U.S. where they've just got the Antifa flags. They've got full on hammer, hammer and sickle, sickle. red and flags. And what they're yeah. chanting is Viva Lula, Viva Lula. And they're I'm like, this guy is like a communist leader in no, Brazil, totally. guy who had been in prison. And here they are in Mexico. The communists are out in full force for him. And it, it ain't like in the U.S. where they play these word games. Oh, we're anti-fascist. No, we're just, we're just communists. We're yeah, just communists. no, no. They, 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 you know, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Uh, Lula and his party, it's not coincidental that their symbology and their colors are bright red, five-pointed stars. It looks like the Marxism, the political Marxism of the 20th century, which the Soviets were pushing all over the world. Now we know it's the Chinese pushing this. And they also five pointed stars. It is one of their symbols. And the fact that they, you know, telling you who they are, hammer and sickles and pictures of Lula next to each other protesting outside CPAC Mexico City. What's funny is they're not protesting or counter protesting in Brazil because they don't really have much of a base, which only further uh, gives credence to the, the protest movement saying they don't believe this election was honest. And we have to go back a little bit and, you know, show the history. Lula in 1990 formed the Sao Paulo Forum. Sao Paulo Forum is CPAC for Marxists uh, and Latin American Marxists in particular. And the Sao Paulo Forum is where Chavez and Maduro were incubated. It's where uh, Petro from Colombia, Boric from Chile, Evo Morales from Bolivia. Uh, it is a who's who of the most vociferous Latin American Marxists where Marxism has still maintained a foothold. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the geopolitics of the corruption of the narco trafficking, where they would even have a popular support, whether it's the majority or a minority. They are politically relevant. They have been for quite some time. And if you look at some of the regions where Lula and this sort of Marxist political left has done well uh, in Brazil, it's in the poorer regions where there's indigenous people in the north and northeast around the Amazon. And they showed in this election, uh, when they had the data up on the public site, that Bolsonaro got zero votes in some of these precincts. Well, there are videos online we can see, video affidavits of indigenous people saying, no, I voted for Bolsonaro, I'm being disenfranchised. Uh, so it tells you that something is rotten, something is fishy. Of course, what would be the antidote to that? Transparency. 
And instead, what we've gotten out of the Supreme Court and the Brazilian mainstream press is attack the messenger and the message, no transparency. And the military has had a right to do an audit and the electoral court that's subsidiary to the Supreme Court and led by the same guy, Alexander de Moraes, who's imprisoning journalists and Bolsonaro's political allies. Uh, they, instead of you know complying with a, a constitutionally uh, allowed and uh, endowed audit, they're doing everything they can to block it out. They would wait, not wait, 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 Matt, don't, don't, don't just bury the lead, arresting journalists detaining journalists. Oh, we're going to talk about that. I mean, is there something is there something you might want to tell the the class about that? Sure. Uh, (laughs) For the last three years, the Supreme Court under Alexander de Moraes, who has been who was appointed by Temer. Temer was the PM, the president who came in after Dilma, part of the same. There's a globalist cabal and a communist cabal, and they work very, very closely together. Uh, And they appointed these just these justices or these judges, which, you know, the word is such a misnomer because judges are supposed to be impartial. They're supposed to be jurisprudence applied to interpretation of law, according to the Constitution. And instead, they have become a out of control judicial dictatorship at behaving autocratically. They have a fake news investigation, perfectly Orwellian, as we are so used to these days, where they have gone after journalists, uh, arrested them, put them under house arrest, uh, deplatformed them en masse. Uh, They've even arrested uh, Bolsonaro congressmen who called them out. So it's funny because one of the ways that they would uh, put a fig leaf of law over law over these arrests is saying, well, these people criticize the Supreme Court, so we're arresting them. Right, they spread fake attacking. news. We have to arrest them. And, and by the way, what happened when you yourself went down to Brazil to yeah. look into all of this? That, now that's and that's a you know an important piece of context. People always ask me because you you know me well and Bannon and what's my beat usually internationally? It's Europe. It's the EU sovereigntist movements in Poland and Hungary and Sweden and Germany and France and Belgium and Italy and Spain, etc. Well, I went to Brazil CPAC September 2021 with Jason Miller, who was uh, launching who just launched Getter and was making a push in Brazil. So Jason and I went down with a couple of our uh, Brazilian friends who are based in America, and I gave a speech in CPAC uh, and about journalism and the media. And when we were leaving and we'd already it had been broken on Sunday afternoon, one of the mainstream press, Folha Globo, one of the sort of uh, the CNNs of Brazil uh, had wrote an article on Sunday afternoon that we had been under surveillance the entire time. We had met with Jair Bolsonaro at the Brazilian version of the White House. Pictures were floating around online. And I said to Jason, I said, there's a good chance we're detained at the airport uh, tomorrow when we leave. And lo and behold, that is exactly what happened. And they detained us and interrogated us and wanted to know all the names of the people who were involved in Brazilian CPAC, the organizers, all the journalists we spoke to, all the political uh, people, electeds from Bolsonaro's party. They want, they said, you guys are not under arrest, but we have a criminal investigation and we want to know as part of that investigation, who did you meet with? And that was a very Stasi tactic. It opened my eyes. They wanted names so they can do the same thing that, you know, the DOJ is doing. Pre-dawn raids on journalists, put them on the enemies list, sanction them, revoke passports, all things that they've been doing for the last few years and have accelerated going into this election. And then even more so after the first round and since the protest movement began. So that got me rather interested in understanding this uh, out of control judiciary that is totally at odds with the Constitution and rule of law. And so I did a very deep dive on this and I wrote about 5000 word piece for uh, Todd Wood, CDM.press, Creative Destruction Media uh, on And the title was quite simple and so germane to the things we're talking about, the most important electoral battleground in 2022 against global communism. And it's really been proven out all the things that I alleged uh, and published a week or two before the election, uh, calling these people out. Well, they went hog wild. And we're we're coming up on our on a hard break. Hold it right there. 
because we are going to go. But I, I want to bring this back because you're on the tarmac. You're down there yep. for CPAC. You're down there yep. for a publicly uh, yep. known international conference that's that's been operation for decades. And you're yep. getting detained because there's this power struggle between the duly elected president and then the unelected unappo- or unelected appointed judiciary down yep. in Brazil that's controlled by the communists. Stick with us. We'll be right back here at Human Events Sunday Special. All right, we're here back with Matt Tierman. When we left, he was just telling us about his harrowing escape from Brazil. No, Matt, was this Rio de Janeiro or was this, uh, was this Brasilia? Brasilia. This was this Brasilia. Brasilia. So you're the capital of Brazil. You're harrowing escape that you're being interrogated by the guards. You don't know if you're about to be thrown into some kind of, uh, you know, a tropical Amazonian dungeon or, or you know, some such black site, you know, where you're never heard from again, where they... Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're throwing leeches and tree frogs at you and you, you will tell us the information, but, but we're trying to understand this dynamic. And I think this is tough for people to get. Um, but, I, but I think I, that to put it this way, we don't necessarily have this in the U S but we do have something called a deep state. Well, and, and from, from what you're telling me and tell me if I have this right, it sounds as though our deep state in the U S is analogous to sort of this judiciary uh, framework this apparatus in Brazil, so they have the ability to force arrests, to launch investigations. Exactly. It's different from the U.S. It's different from our system, where DOJ is is more tied to the presidency. They, it's basically they've got their own ability to launch this stuff, and in yep. doing so, right, and guys, keep in mind, remember, we're talking about South America, right? This isn't exactly, you know, isn't exactly new uh, for for yep. down there. Um, and so this is probably this is, by the way, what led to the problems in the 80s, right? This is the same similar problems that led to uh, everything that went on back then. Let's just put it that way, which is yeah. where Bolsonaro comes from. And that uh, because it's 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 this interesting dynamic where you have judges, to your point, who are supposed to be the ones that are upholding the law, that are actually the ones that are are doing away with the rule of law. And are base- it just comes down to raw naked yep. power so, so you experience this when you went accountable there. right and who's going to hold them accountable well the and question that, i guess why, then becomes the people right and that's and that's, and, why, and that's what you're seeing now and the military and we'll get to that uh because the brazilian constitution is very interesting and i've kind of done some deep that, dives on, that is you know, the what biggest part of me so yeah walk us through where you were but i do want to get to this this point about the military's role and it's obviously a sensitive topic but yep. what, when, when people need to understand though is that there is a constitutional role for the military in brazil 100%. That we do not have reflected in the U.S. So please, Matt, continue. Yeah. So you know, going back to these judges, the sort of out of control judiciary filled with political appointees by the Lula Dilma Temer crowd, uh, they wholesale have powers. You know, they're supposed to be separated powers, right? You've got an executive branch, a legislative branch, and a judicial branch, and the Constitution does carve out the roles in Brazilian society. But the judicial branch has taken it upon itself. It's almost like uh, Bismarck's uh, uh, famous saying, politics is the art of the possible. They just do it. And they have access to a federal law enforcement, like an FBI, a police force. So they can investigate. They can execute, obviously, subpoena power. Uh, they have access to all the information. You know, where They can get uh, open up people's computers and emails and social media platform uh, communications. Uh, they have the ability to prosecute. They have the ability to judge. They have the ability to sentence. I liken it to imagine if in the U.S. we had a body that had all the powers that Eric Holder, Adam Schiff, Sonia Sotomayor, uh, state AGs, 
uh, congressional committees all wrapped up into one where they can go after their political enemies, open them up, expose them, arrest them, claim there's some sort of criminal investigation, and then sentence them. And this is what they're doing. And they really should not have, uh, according to the constitutional uh, structure, this this all these mixed roles together because it is a it is at odds with keeping uh, the guardrails in place in a free society. But they've been doing it, and Bolsonaro has been fighting it. But with the entire media complex in Brazil in the bag for the Lula crowd, for the judges, even right now with the protests, the mainstream media says one of two things: either it's not happening, or the protesters are thugs who deserve to be punished by the law. Yeah, uh, insurrectionists, wherever I heard that one before. Oh, no, they're already running. I, I read that about myself all the time from Brazilian lefties that, oh, you know, uh, Bannon and Tiermond and uh, uh, whoever else are just trying to do an insurrection. Uh, you know, it's not even about Bolsonaro. And that's something that Bannon has been, you know, very astute. He told that to the Washington Post. This is bigger than Bolsonaro. This is about the Brazilian constitution and the people have a right to march. And if the judges could, they'd be arresting the protesters. They're already fining the truckers who've been doing the blockades. Uh, they're uh, trying to push through a piece of legislation. Again, they don't even have the right to write legislation, but they're doing it. And they try to push through. If you get caught as a protester and a protest organizer, they will take your children away because you're leading them to uh, children to an unsafe uh, childhood, an unsafe environment. Now, if you go to the protests and I'm you know, speaking to people on the ground there, it's people wrapped in the Brazilian flag, praying the rosary, uh, you know, chanting in unison. They're not violent. They're not like Antifa or, you know, Marxist type. Uh, thugs who, when they protest, it always ends with heads, uh, you know, headbutting. Uh, it's much more, you know, decentralized, organized. People are coming of their own volition from so all over the country, filling so, up so every Matt, city. We're, we're seeing these. We're seeing these images, and 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 we're going to play some here as as we're, you and I are, are speaking. But what what is the you know what is the what is the path here? Right? What what are they calling for? Uh, I've seen that the headline that Bolsonaro and his party have pushed for a potential annulment of the election. But of course, to your point, the court that they're petitioning to is the same court that's controlled by this uh, yes. uh, by these leftists. And, and, and so I, I don't think that's going to be an know, avenue. That's there's a, a Supreme Court led by Alexander Moraes. And then there's the Supreme Electoral Court, which is a subsidiary okay. court, which is tasked with administering the election and overseeing it. That's also led by Alexander de Moraes, who is put together the this cabal's enemies list and you know he's revoking passports he's uh he put out an interpol red notice on one uh one brazilian journalist alan dos santos who's in exile in the usa he revoked his passport he put on an interpol red notice which interpol declined to execute because it's frivolous and it's obviously politically partisan uh it is absolutely gross overreach. And this also includes the compliance with the military audits, non-transparent. You, you brought up an interesting point. Valdemar de Neto is the head of Bolsonaro's party, and he petitioned the court uh, eight or 10 days ago and said, we have proof that the machines from the later series uh, do not count the votes correctly. We have proof of it. And he proved it. And we want to, their push was not to annul the whole election, but to annul the votes that went through those machines where there was obvious uh, malfeasance. You know, you prove that the machines from a certain technological series uh, run of manufacture are fraudulent, that have communication, external communication capability, which is totally at odds with the entire structure they supposedly tried to create. And there's no paper ballots. There's no auditable ballot trail. And that's by design. It's a feature, not a bug. Uh, and he pushed to annul those votes, which is reasonable. So what did Moraes do? He fined the party 22 million reals and put Valdemar de Neto, the head of the party, on his fake news investigation uh, criminal ensnarement list. So now this guy's under. And this guy is not 
like Bolsonaro. He's not this sort of like populist firebrand. He is an old guard politician who's been around for generations, leading political parties, who's very well respected, has never had an allegation of impropriety levied against him. And so now he is being uh, threatened with criminal investigation and prosecution by this court for doing his job as a party head and saying, OK, we have proof of some of uh, some machine issues. Uh, and so they are doing everything they can to sweep any of these concerns under the rug, even to the point of the election certification is supposed to be December 19th as of yesterday. And we're filming this a few days before this will air. So as of uh, uh, Tuesday, the 29th, as of this week, yeah, this week, they're pushing to move the certification of Lula up from uh, December 19th to December 12th. Move it. Up they're trying to rush the whole thing. They're trying to rush it because so what, you also what have- do the protesters want? Right. Let's get, let's, let's get to that point, because what is the path forward? So this, this is what the courts are trying to do. They're trying to rush the whole thing. Got it. The protesters. Yeah. I've seen videos. Right. And I spoke with some some Brazilian journalists when I was in Mexico. I've seen videos of the protesters outside military bases protesting. And I said, are they protesting the military? And and what she explained to me said, no, 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 no. They're not protesting the military. They're calling for the military to get involved. What is that all about? So one of the reasons the locus of protest activity, now it's happening in the main city squares all over the country, as far, you know, Bahia, Recife, obviously Belo Horizonte, which is the fourth biggest city after, you know, uh, Brasilia, Rio and Sao Paulo. It's all over the country. But it's now the locus has sort of focused on for those hardcore who are there 24-7 now in day 30 or 31 is outside military barracks because the military and the military commandants of these uh, these forts, these uh, military posts, has said things like, our job is to protect the Brazilian constitution. Our job is to protect the protesters who are engaging their rights, their constitutionally endowed rights to assemble, to protest. Even as Moraes is trying to have them arrested and have this thing forcefully dispersed, the military is saying, no, 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 no. We have to uphold the Brazilian constitution. They've got a constitutional right. It's also important Bolsonaro is not visible or vocal. That is a good thing. He should not be. This is not about him. Uh, if you know the, the election fraud is proven and they annul the fraudulent votes, he would be reseated. But it can't be him leading this charge because then the Supreme Court will arrest him. They're looking to do that already and say that you're trying to run a coup uh, and an insurrection. The military has to act independently. And they've got the tools to do so. Article 142 of the Brazilian Constitution says that the Brazilian military, by virtue of the fact that it is the institution society that is most governed by discipline, hierarchy and order. And never forget that on the Brazilian flag, the mantra of the country is order e progresso, order and progress. We need order. We need rule of law. Thus, we can progress as a society. And the military takes that to heart. They have a right and they have sort of the right to in a situation where there's a separation of powers dispute, as is existing right now with this out of control judiciary at odds with the executive branch and even the legislative branch at times, usurping the legislature's role in pushing laws in the uh, in the management and administration of the election. It is the military's uh, uh, sovereign right to come in and adjudicate this and to enforce the constitu- constitutional law to clean up the mess, because that is something we've talked about in the past. We talked about with Poland and Hungary, with post-communist judges. If you've got a judiciary that is totally out of compliance with rule of law and the Constitution, who is the one who is going to enforce that? In theory, it would be the judiciary. But if they are a self-dealing conspiratorial cabal, as this judiciary is, of political appointees who've done everything they can to fix the chessboard. By the way, there's a law on Brazil's books. It's a very important law. If you are a convicted felon, you cannot run for office. Huh. Lula was convicted. Three courts. 12 charges, 19 judges across these three courts, these panels of judges, unanimously 
convicted him to 12 years in prison. This court, the Supreme Court, his appointees, his his team's appointees, Dillman Temer, let him out of jail. They expunged his record, annulled and vacated all the judgments and sentencing against him so that he could have a clean record and then run. The criminal Lula brought out of jail. Matt, we're going to our next break. I said we're going to get to China. We will. We will as we come up. But we need to break down everything that happened in Brazil. So I want to get into this next. And we're going to talk about specifically what the role of the military will be. Stand by. And we're back, Matt Tierman. The people of China are experiencing what I call a slave revolt. They're fighting back against the power, the CCP, the same way they did in Tiananmen Square, the same way they did in 1989, which actually was predicated by the death of a former party leader. Back then, it was Hu Yaobang. Today, a new party leader has died. His name is Jiang Zemin. Now, he was involved in those crackdowns. Don't get it. Don't get it. Uh, don't get, don't be don't be uh, don't whitewash what happened. But at the same time, all right, there is a real possibility that those people, those brave people who know the stakes in China, Shanghai, Beijing, even in the city of Wuhan itself, where this all started, actually have the ability to push back on their regime. But but Matt, what you're telling me down in Brazil with the brave patriots of Brazil, where they are going is not necessarily just into the streets because they're also going to the military barracks and they're calling for the military to get involved. Break us down now. You know, when, when, you, when I hear, you know, the, the Brazilian military is getting involved, I mean, that conjures up all sorts of images about, you know, military Pinochet and helicopters yeah. and memes and all that. Yeah. But, but, but there is actually a constitutional role for the military. And I think that a lot of Americans right. are, are ignorant of that. You're, you're you're you've gone full native in the Amazon. So tell us, tell us what the role constitutionally yeah. of the Brazilian military is when it comes to elections. Well, keep in mind that and this is actually a very interesting point that the Lula party heads like Lula, like Dilma, one of the things they said over the last 10 years when they would give their own you know, forums and speeches uh, to their people and talk to their sympathetic media is they said their big regret when they did not run government for a dozen years under Lula, Dilma and Temer is that they did not defang, defenestrate the media. I'm sorry, the media, the military, uh, the media is their uh, their handmaidens. Uh, someday, the media, someday. The, the media, the media is, you know, the, it's great to get into the media because it's almost like communist state owned enterprise. The mainstream media there under right. Dilma and Lula did great. They got straight taxpayer money. They're totally in the bag, which is why they cover the protests this way, either memory holding it with the revolution will not be televised or by calling the protesters thugs. By the way, uh, this but, is this is what 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 law and justice got right in Poland is 100%. when they got it, when they got in. And I remember when you and I were there in Warsaw, when they got in, they replaced the media. They said no yeah. way. And then and they, they and got then attacked. Me and you on air. <laughs> they got attacked uh, when every party, when they would take over state media, say, you know, like the BBC in, in the UK or the CBC in Canada, well, Poland has TVP, Polish yep, television. TVP. And it was a, you know, during the presidential run of Duda, he didn't even get on air. They would just put the incumbent, their guy on. And then, of course, peace wins, law and justice wins. And then they, Flipped the script and said, no, we're putting our people in. And then Washington Post, rule of law is under attack. Uh, law and justice attacks a free press. This is state media. This is, you know, it's government appointees. What, they should keep their opposition running propaganda against them? Uh, so in Brazil, no, you've got brilliant, a private brilliant. sector media. What's that? 
Brilliant move. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, in Brazil, you've got a private sector media that is so hard left in the bag for Lula. And they people don't talk about how much money they made during Lula and Dilma's terms and how they're well positioned to do so again. Should he come in? That doesn't get reported on near enough. And then the the independent right wing media like Jovem Pan, which would be like a Brazilian Fox News. Moraes goes and censors them, finds them, restricts their ability to communicate in social media, deplatforms them. Uh, So it's it's quite all hands on deck from the left using every force they can to censor and obfuscate the truth. We talked about blocking out the military audit uh, of the ballot machines and the transparency. But the military's got a big role to play, as we discussed, with Article 142 in the Constitution, and people are begging for it. They want it. And I think the military does end up acting because they're students of the history. General Marau, who tweeted uh, a couple Fridays ago that the Supreme Court is eviscerating the Constitution, I'm paraphrasing. When he says something that publicly, a highly respected military leader, uh, that is not a unilateral act. That was obviously discussed at the highest realms of the military hierarchy. Yesterday, a, we're talking uh, Monday the 29th, earlier this week, uh, there was an open letter sent to the highest ranking general, sort of the Joint Chiefs of Staff equivalent, by 170 high ranking officers that would report to the uh, to the to the high guard. And they said three points. One, the court has breached its uh, its constitutional abilities by far. The media is totally in the bag and protesting is absolutely a right of Brazilian citizens. So now the highest ranking officers are appealing to the equivalent of the Joint Chiefs, the leadership uh, of the military to take action. And these these military men. Uh, are not, you know, uh, ignorant of history. Uh, one of them tweeted the other day, this was the 77th anniversary of 1935, November 25th or 26th, 1935, where Brazilians fought away a communist insurgency. They, wow. So them suggesting this is pretty big symbology, you know, and he said, we're on guard. We will not let communists take over Brazil. Also important to note, Bolsonaro was a career military man, while Lula was a career criminal and was in bed with narco-traficantes and uh, Marxist revolutionaries who are the equivalent of our weather underground. You know, which, by the way, and by the way, let me go and go. And we had, um, you know, we had we had Darren Beattie on uh, a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about the cartels and we talked about the fact that the CCP has their cartels. The CIA has their cartels. Uh, You've got cartels that are double dealing. You have people out there. He had the great line that went hyper viral when he said, you know, what's the purpose of the DEA? The purpose of the DEA is to go after the cartels that have fallen out of favor with the CIA. Right. And so it because you have this massive underworld uh, trafficking operation, these money laundering operations, this dirty money that they're able to use that's never tracked, that's off everywhere. This is where, by the way, you get your your FTX type operations, your tether type oper- type operations, because this is how the overworld leaders that we're seeing now are able to manipulate things that we can see, like a Lula election or other uprisings in parts of the world that they're trying to control that all of these different pieces on the chessboard are being moved but it is three-dimensional because you have pieces that are above and you have pieces you have levels that are above and levels that are below and so one of the big one of the big uh drivers in all of this is that the narco terrorists they don't want to just be in business in mexico they don't just want to be in business in venezuela and colombia they want to get into brazil that's what this is about in a huge way 
Yeah. Well, and it's also about, you know, when we talked about uh, China, China is very interested in obviously having their bulwarks uh, geopolitically all over the world so they can continue their, you know, their leadership in Marxist expansion and uh, imperial hegemony. And Brazil is incredibly. This is one belt, one road. This is exactly what this is the one belt, one road system. They want to drive that straight through South America, straight through Latin America, right up to our border where they're already flooding fentanyl across. And we had the border battle special all about this. We said people kept pointing back. They said, this is China. Right. China's China is in all of this. China, by the way, is also underwriting the war in Ukraine right now with Russia. Of course, we understand they're Russia's only real lasting trade partner. They kind of in in many ways, they have a massive leverage over Russia now. And so, you know, all roads lead back to Beijing. And that's why when you're seeing the slave revolt in the heart of the empire, all the way across the empire in in China, that is why this is so massive, because the money of the Chinese party, the Chinese Communist Party, has been generating throughout their dirty deal with the West that goes back to Scrocroft and and George H.W. Bush in the 1980s, when we could have pushed the CCP over with a feather, right? They decided to construct this system of globalism. Well, the Chinese are responding with their own version of it called One Belt, One Road. And that's their attempt to essentially wrest the reins from the West, from the party of Davos. and And they're using places like Brazil. Brazil is one of the battlefronts of this. And so the money that should have been going into, at le- you'd think at least for the conditions of the people that are living in China, right, which have increased, and I'm not going to say they haven't, but it, you know, certainly for the times of Chairman Mao when everybody's starving and dying and, and, and eating their own children in some, in some areas. Well, now you've, got, now you've got money that's being spent all around the world. This is the revolt because they're, they're putting money to back these people like Lula, to back these, these narco-terrorists, narco-cartels, now the people of China say, where's our peace? Why are our living conditions becoming so fraught and destroyed? Why have you not done well for us? You get people burning alive in the Xinjiang massacre, right? The Xinjiang massacre of the, of the apartment building there with the videos, heart-wrenching videos of people burning alive, women, children, uh, the Uyghurs that are inside this building as well. We don't even know the full, the full scope of who died there. Brazil is a battlefront in all of in all of these geopolitical forces. And Matt, I I commend you for your work, by the way, putting this all together. If Brazil falls, if if Lula is seated, then China will basically have total control over South America. The resources, the population, the geopolitical uh, uh, placement of South America to our south, that'll you know, that is their entry point of control of this side of the world, of this hemisphere. You know better than anyone, they're playing a long game. And the working with the Marxists of uh, of the South America, the Sao Paulo Forum, the Chavezes and Maduros and Moraleses, uh, Brazil was the last holdout. Steve Bannon and I, you know, we do his show all the time, you know, talks about the evangelical movement, the Catholics and the Christian evangelicals. So Brazil still has a very large and growing population of evangelical fervor. And these are people People who believe in God and rule of law on earth. And this is obviously the enemy of global communism. Mao was the one who said, I think it was Mao, right? He said religion is the opiate of the masses. It's why they, Poland, uh, withheld. That was Marx. Okay. Uh, well, Mao certainly, you know, banning religion and uh, and and really making it your religion in communism is the state. It always is, yes. and that's why Poland was such an interesting holdout because after so many generations of imperialism, the repository of social and structural values of society was in the church. So it was much harder for Poles uh, to be uh, beaten down the way some others behind the Iron Curtain were by the Soviet encroachment in their society when they became totally uh, in hoc to the far off mandarins of Moscow. 
Uh, but this is the same thing in Brazil. Brazil is this bulwark, and that's why you're seeing this protest movement. And people stand with Bolsonaro. I have no doubt that he won. And let's go back to this sort of electoral mechanics. You go back uh, 10 years or so when Bolsonaro was a congressman. Uh, in the lower house, the Chamber of Deputies, it's sort of like our House of Representatives, the way there's an upper house and lower house, legislation starts in the lower house. He pushed a bill for auditable paper ballots, paper ballots that are alongside the machine. So you have a paper ballot printout that can then be audited later on. And this legislation he spearheaded uh, was taken up in Congress and it passed. Dilma was president at the time. She vetoed it citing, and this is just so hilarious, almost in its sort of farce, uh, she cited, well, printers are expensive. We don't want to have to pay for printers in every polling site. When has a socialist ever cited, uh, you know, fiscal fiscal expenditure as a barrier to pushing <laughs> anything they find, they forward? I found fiscal conservatism. Yeah. That and by the way, up, it's a dumb, coming it up be on a, our last break real, real, real quick to so hold that thought, because I want to bring I want to get into this. I want to get into what happens. I want to get into what happens should Brazil fall come right back yes ladies and gentlemen we're back here with matt tierman we're discussing the grave consequences of what should happen if brazil falls to communism if brazil falls under the influence of the chinese communist party because that is what's at stake here our own our own backyard our own hemisphere and let me just say that we had the ability we the way it should work by the way is that the united states the free people of the United States, the patriots of America should be working in concert with the patriots of Mexico, the patriots of Brazil to create a robust economic and strategic partnership in our in our hemisphere. I'm not talking about, a, you know, an American union or anything like this. No, 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 no. I'm talking about free people and free countries working together from the point of mutual benefit. So that we can we can sell to them, so that we have manufacturing in our areas, and so that we have strategic, diplomatic, and national security. That's what we need. And the CCP and the Russians and the Iran, whoever else is trying to get into our hemisphere, I'm full Monroe doctrine on that. Call me a neocon if you want, but I'm. But if you're trying to get into our backyard, I say no mas. Matt, walk yep. us through again these stakes. Okay, so you know, it's I want to close the loop on this uh, this uh, congressional uh, legislation that Bolsonaro yes, yes. Uh, took up. He pushed for a bill. It was passed by Congress to create paper balloting alongside the machine so that you'd have an audit trail. So you could do an audit should there be allegations of impropriety. Common sense, right? Election integrity. Who's not for election integrity? Well, we know who's not for election integrity. Those who are looking to steal elections. Uh, Dilma vetoed uh, this bill. It got sent back to the Congress, to the lower house, and they overrode the veto. That is very rare to happen in Brazilian congressional politics. Uh, for a bill to have a, a veto override that way, because you have to get a supermajority and the Congress there. This is not, you know, a, a two party system like we have in the U.S., Republicans and Dems. This is very it's, it's more almost parliamentary. There's many parties. They coalition. It's fractured. But they overrode Dilma's veto. And then the Supreme Court struck it down under, get this, privacy concerns. Any fig leaf which they could use to get rid of something that would allow an auditable ballot trail. And when Jason and I, and when we were in Brazil and we went to some of these protests that were going on then, people were protesting uh, about exactly this. There were chants in Brasilia on that Sunday ahead of the Freedom March, their Independence Day, give us paper ballots, give us auditable ballots. And the Supreme Court even suggesting 
that the election might not be clean. By even saying we want paper ballots, they would sanction those journalists, those activists, and those politicians who would push for something as common sense to election integrity as a paper ballot backup, an auditable ballot trail. So, you know, the, the, that's that's the lead. We know what they are, what they want. When people, like I said earlier, when people tell you who they are, believe them. When Lula da Silva's transition head, Monica Valenti, who was running the Sao Paulo Forum in Brazil, says we need to protect Brazilian democracy like we have to protect Maduro's democracy in Venezuela. To these people, Maduro in Venezuela is running a democracy. This is what this is the stakes. They will turn Brazil within 12 to 24 months, should Lula be seated, into Venezuela. It will, the bulwark of democracy in the largest country in Latin America will be gone. And losing it, I don't know how hard it would be, what feasibility there would be to go back to a democratic system for a country that produces one-sixth of the world's food. The basic inputs of wheat and corn and barley, uh, the heavy, the heavy, uh, heavy natural resources, the uh, the industrial components, oil, gas, tin, cobalt, copper. Brazil is a heavyweight player. It's why China wants it under their dominion. If Lula gets seated, Brazil is a Chinese vassal. And that should frighten everybody in this hemisphere, especially in the northern hemisphere, where we supposedly have free nations of like U.S. and Canada. Well, let's let's talk about that, because, you know, as, as you and I sit here in the United States, we're dealing with all of these these geopolitical issues. Uh, we don't have the government that we wish we did. Right. We don't even have a serious government. We don't even have a president who knows what time of day it is. But but what should. Right. Let's let's walk through what should the American response to this be? And rather than getting into, you know, which candidate or this candidate. Yeah, it's not important. But let's get into let's get into the idea of what policy should we be focused on that both both benefits, by the way, our geostrategic interests, but also the interests and, and keep in mind, you know, America first movement here, all right, that benefits the people that live within the United States. Why should Americans care? Why should America, yeah. you know, what was it? Well, you, made, you made a good point. You made a good point when, and this is something I always say, you know, very Adam Smithian, uh, nations that trade together, nations that bring their comparative advantages to the table, whether it's industrial output manufacturing versus agricultural output, those nations that, it, that, unilaterally pursue their best interest, you know, not multilateralism, not the EU with France and Germany dictating to 28 other member nations exactly what their policy should be, whether it's on borders, immigration, economics, trade and ag policy, whatever. Uh, but unilaterally best interest policy of a nation state, it always leads to let's trade with our neighbors, with our distant neighbors, because nations that trade together don't go to war. Nations that trade together, that get the best of each other's economies and peoples and transfer knowledge, culture and trade. There's a Pax. There was what you call in the Pax Americana in the 20th century. There is a stabilization. It's a stabilizing force. And Brazil, given the strength of its economy and its natural resource wealth, do we want to trade with them or do we want China to control their oil and gas, their uh, their rare earth minerals? like they're doing in Africa. That is antithetical to our best interests, to the American interest. Forget globalist interest, just the American interest. The issue we have is that we've got a State Department, uh, an executive branch, that uh, executive branch, Joe Biden, moments after the final tabulation drop that looked absolutely 
fishy beyond compare when Bolsonaro, both in the first round and the second round, was way up early and then every ballot drop therein, as if a switch was flipped, went 60-40 or 55-45 one way until they both overlapped and Lula took the lead at 66% of precincts reporting, two-thirds. Uh, Biden, moments after the last ballot drop, said, uh, tweeted, uh, congrats to Lula da Silva on your fair, your win in this fair, free, incredible election. He thinks the lady don't protest too much. How does he know it's fair, free, incredible one minute after the last ballot drop? One minute. So the fix was in. We've got a globalist uh, uh, political class that is in the in the in, in the seat of power now in, in Washington. Uh, the EU is the same way. Highly globalist. The globalists are the useful idiots of the communists. They're the useful idiots of the Soviets and they're useful idiots of the Chinese now, whether it's the World Economic Forum or the UN or the EU in Brussels or Washington. So instead of looking out for our best interest, what we have is last year, William Burns, the CIA chief, was sent down to uh, finger wag at Bolsonaro. Do not create any election issues as if to say, you know, don't say anything when your election is stolen from you. Uh, and then uh, after the election, they said they were going to after the election, second round, October 30th, they said they were going to send Jake Sullivan down. Uh, and that got some press. Tucker and I talked about it. So they kiboshed that. And now it looks like as they're trying to push the certification up a week ahead of potential military engagement over this issue. Uh, now they're going to send Jake Sullivan down again to help with the transition. I don't know what compelling interest there is for the American government to help with the Lula de Silva or any transition. Well, I'm old enough to remember, you know, when Bernie Sanders and the, the left was railing against the CIA's engagement in Latin American elections in the 1970s. So, you know, where is the uh, where, where where are the dogs barking here? Like this, this doesn't make any compelling sense unless you know what their real interest is, which is globalist tying together with China, uh, working together in breaking down sovereign borders. Well, Matt, let me ask you this then. You know, and and you you made you made a bold prediction on on uh, on war room pandemic and Steve Bannon's war room about the military in Brazil. Do you believe that the military will get involved? I do, based on the signals that some of these generals have sent. Based on the 170, the last time there was an open letter written to military high command from the from the officers was 1954, when there was also uh, the uh, destabilized Brazil and the military came in. Uh, the military, if they do not act, they do our students of Latin American communism, of global communism, of the Chinese sovereignty sale of Lula and Dilma. It was also them that helped expose Lula and Dilma in 2012, led to street protests and convictions. If they don't get involved, it's Venezuela 2000 when Chavez goes, gotten, uh, took control. What happened to the military that tried to defend Venezuela? They end up gulagged. So if they don't defend the sovereignty of Brazil against this illegal election, this uh, out of out of uh, control Supreme Court that's eviscerating the Constitution, they will be signing their own death warrant. They will be the first ones going to the gulag. So I think that compelling self-interest is such that they will be forced to act. No, because they know it's just a matter of time before they're next. Oh. Let's let's put it this way, folks. Communist takeovers all follow the exact same playbook. Exactly. First, you get your guys in power and then you start cleaning house. And that's exactly, by the way, what Xi Jinping did when it came to these rivals, when it came to everybody else that was going against him. And there were a lot of a lot of these, you know, uh, China experts out there that uh, I disagreed with. And I took stances against and I said, you know, they said she's about to fall and she won't be named chairman. I said he is systematically going through and picking off his rivals one by one. He's putting them on television. He's going he's locking them all up. 
Uh, he's replacing the judiciary, which is exactly what you're talking about happened here in Brazil. And he's setting himself up to be chairman for life. And if you don't see that, then you haven't been yep. paying attention and you're just wish casting. And that's not what we do here. And so it's amazing to see the people rise up. And, and, I'm, gonna put, and, I'm, and I'm not going to discount that because what we're seeing here is people in China, the slave revolt of China. We're seeing the patriots of Brazil. We are seeing this force for national sovereignty, true national sovereignty, take place across the entire world. Last minute, Matt Tierman. Well, as I said in my CDM.press piece, really doing a deep dive into the Brazilian judiciary and their illegal actions against journalists and politicos, uh, the Brazilian people do not want their grandchildren to be speaking Mandarin. They know the stakes. They will not be leaving the streets. The fact that Lula was a convicted criminal, they are chanting, we will not be led by a criminal. They know what the court did, letting him out, expunging his record, totally illegal and at odds with the Constitution. And the Constitution says if something like this happens, it's the military's role to restore order. That is the disciplined, hierarchical based social institution whose job it is. And I certainly hope they act. Matt Tierman, where can people go to follow you? Where can people get your coordinates? Uh, well, at Matthew Tiermond, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-T-Y-R-M-A-N-D, Getter, Twitter, social media, frequently on with you and Steve on War Room. Occasionally, uh, nowadays, can talk to uh, Tucker about Brazil. It's great that he's uh, shown interest in this. He did a great. For more background, by the way, I urge uh, your viewers and listeners to go and see his Fox Nation documentary about Brazil, taped in the summer, June, July, aired in August. Uh, and it talks very, very deeply about China's engagement in Brazil the last 15 years. Incredible. Matt Tierman, thank you so much for joining us. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, as always, you have my permission to lay a short.